My name is Thomas Malchow. I've been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. I've worked with hundreds of Olympic and professional athletes. I can help you become better at golf. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Train Fully podcast, where we dive deep into golf fitness. I am your host, Thomas Melchow. Every episode, we meet with professionals, experts, and amateurs from all over the world to help you enhance your performance and gain an edge in your game. If you find our podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, so we have an announcement to make. Because of your support, Train Fully continues to grow. And we're really excited to announce the launch of our new community platform. And you can access this platform from trainfully.com. On our new platform, there are 10 new golf fitness programs. And we will begin uh, doing weekly live workouts soon as well. And again, you can access all of this from trainfully.com. You can interact directly with me there as well. If you purchase the original Train Fully program, you'll continue to have access to that original series from the new platform. We'll be sending out emails to the existing uh, members this week with details on how to access the new platform. If you're not a member, head over to trainfully.com and sign up today. Like I said, we have 10 new golf fitness programs. If you need help deciding which program is best for you, do not hesitate to reach out to me and I can help you out with that. Now that brings us to this episode. This episode is a little bit different from the other ones that we've done so far. In this episode, I'm going to be answering one of the questions, the most common question probably that I get, and that is, how do I increase my club head speed? And I thought about how to answer this question, and I think ultimately the best way to answer this question is to simply describe and explain what I do with elite and professional golfers to help them increase their club head speed, right? These guys, they already have really high swing speeds, usually at least 115 miles per hour. And we're looking to get that up to 120, 125, right? So I'm going to explain everything that we do and why we do everything that we do. And so this episode is going to be quite technical, and I thought about making it less technical, but I think if you're looking for this information, you will appreciate the technical concepts, right? So I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to describe everything. I'm going to lay it all out for you. And if you want to actually try this program, you can pick this program up on the new platform. This is the Tour Elite program. Now this is an advanced program. It's not suitable for everyone, but if you're a professional golfer or an advanced athlete and you want to try this program, you can pick it up at trainfully.com. So again, this is the tour elite program. I'm going to dive into the different phases of training or types of workouts that we do, the techniques that we perform during each workout and why we use those specific techniques and how we schedule those workouts to make them more effective at increasing power and ultimately club head speed. We'll start with the workouts. There are three different types of workouts or phases of training that I use with professional golfers. Each training phase 
is designed to create specific adaptations within the golfer's body. So we're targeting unique adaptations within their muscular system, their nervous system, and their skeletal system. Okay. Now these phases are all done within one week and I'll explain how we schedule them during the week here after I go through all the programs or after I go through all the phases. So the three training phases that I use with professional golfers are corrective training, strength endurance training, and power training. And this would be for the off season. In season is slightly different. So let's start with the corrective training. Corrective training is designed to fix or correct postural dysfunction. So why is posture important? Well, in order to swing a golf club at 120 miles per hour with precision and without becoming injured, the golfer must have optimum neuromuscular efficiency. But if they have postural dysfunction, their neuromuscular efficiency will be decreased. And that's because postural dysfunction changes the way we move. It reduces our mobility. It makes us weaker. It makes us slower and it makes us less coordinated. So the first step in building a body that can swing a golf club at 120 miles per hour is to fix postural dysfunction. And we do that with corrective training. So with the corrective training, we're targeting the golfers muscle imbalances, their joint dysfunctions, their neuromuscular deficits, and their movement impairments. And to achieve all of that, we follow a simple yet highly effective eight-step process, which essentially retrains or reprograms the body on how to move efficiently, right? So I'll briefly walk you through that process now. We always begin with inhibitory techniques. So we use a foam roller or a myofascial release ball to release tension in the golfer's overactive muscles. When you apply pressure to a muscle, you activate these specialized neuroreceptors that are embedded within that muscle. And when those receptors are activated, they initiate a neuromuscular reflex called autogenic inhibition. Autogenic inhibition decreases the excitability or tension of a muscle, right? So we don't use a foam roller on all of your muscles. We only use it on your overactive muscles because it's going to decrease the activity or the excitability of that muscle. Then we do joint mobilizations. So these are gentle oscillatory techniques that we use on joints to improve range of motion. They also improve the health of the joint. So these techniques help realign the joint and make the joint congruent so that the bony surfaces can move past each other smoothly and without restriction. Then we use lengthening techniques on muscles that have become adaptively shortened. Usually these are the same muscles that we use the foam roller on. Usually these are your overactive muscles, but not always. Now, when muscles become too short, they become tight and we lose range of motion. I think most people understand that. But what a lot of people don't know is that when muscles become adaptively shortened, they become weaker. And the reason for that has to do with the amount of cross bridging we get between these contractile proteins called actin and myosin and something called the sliding filament theory. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that here, but just know 
that when muscles become adaptively shortened, we get too much overlap between actin and myosin and not enough cross bridging. And we, when we don't get enough cross bridging, we lose force production for that muscle. So we use these lengthening techniques on these adaptively shortened muscles to not only increase extensibility and range of motion, but also return the muscle to normal length so that we get more cross bridging and more force production, right? So these techniques improve range of motion, but they also make the muscle stronger, okay? Then the next thing we do are activation techniques. So these are usually single joint movement patterns that are designed to load a specific underactive muscle. Okay, if you remember the overactive muscles that we inhibited in step one with the foam roller, well, when muscles become overactive, they alter a neuromuscular reflex called reciprocal inhibition. Reciprocal inhibition is a reflex that inhibits opposing muscles during movement. So for example, when I contract my biceps, reciprocal inhibition tells my triceps to relax so that my elbow can flex, right? So reciprocal inhibition is a reflex that relaxes muscles on one side of a joint to accommodate contraction on the other side. And this reflex is absolutely essential. Without it, we wouldn't be able to move. Now, when muscles become overactive, they alter reciprocal inhibition because these overactive muscles are telling the nervous system, they're constantly sending signals to the nervous system, telling the nervous system that they're on. So they're always just a little bit on. And as a result, the nervous system starts continuously sending messages to the companion muscle on the other side of the joint, telling that muscle to relax. And consequently, those companion muscles become inhibited or underactive. This is a dysfunction in the nervous system that we call altered reciprocal inhibition. So wherever we have an overactive muscle, reciprocal inhibition will become altered and the companion muscle on the other side of the joint will be inhibited or underactive. So it's really important that we inhibit these overactive muscles with the foam roller to decrease their excitability, but it's also just as important that we activate the underactive companion muscle on the other side of the joint. And that's what these isolated activation techniques do. Here's the deal though. Muscles don't work alone in isolation to create movement. They work together in groups or synergies. So after we complete the isolated activation techniques on the golfer's underactive muscles, we then go through a series of integration exercises. So these are full body exercises that are designed to develop the companionship, uh, coordination, communication, whatever you want to call it, to strengthen that bond between these muscle synergies. And we begin with core integration exercises. Then we progress to stabilization integration exercises, then to reactive activation exercises, and finally to subsystem integration exercises. So our corrective training is this methodical step-by-step -step process that retrains or reprograms the golfer's body on how to move efficiently. Now we could do an entire episode on corrective training, but for the sake of time, we're going to move on to the next phase of training, strength endurance training. 
So strength endurance training is this hybrid form of training that is designed to improve balance, to build muscle, and to increase strength. Strength endurance training follows a systematic approach as well. And we always begin by using a foam roller or a myofascial release ball on the golfer's overactive muscles. And then we move on to stretching. With the corrective training, we used static stretching to increase muscle length. With strength endurance training, we're still using static stretching, but we're performing some active stretching as well. So what's active stretching? Well, with active stretching, we contract a muscle on one side of a joint to pull its companion muscle on the other side of the joint through its full range of motion, right? And if you remember that uh, neuromuscular reflex called reciprocal inhibition, that neuromuscular reflex that relaxes muscles on one side of a joint to accommodate contraction on the other side. Well, that's what we're doing with active stretching. We're contracting a muscle on one side of a joint, which then reciprocally inhibits the companion muscle on the other side of that joint and allows that companion muscle to be lengthened. Right, So we use active stretching to not only improve muscle extensibility, but also to optimize reciprocal inhibition. And that's a really important point because the golfers with the fastest club head speed and the most precision have optimal reciprocal inhibition, right? So their body isn't working against them. Their nervous system is recruiting the correct muscle synergies at the right time with the appropriate amount of force and with the least amount of stress on their body. So not only do they move fast and with precision, but they don't have as much wear and tear in their body. So they're less likely to become injured. Okay. Then after the foam rolling and the stretching, we move on to the exercises. Now recall with the corrective training, we followed that eight step process that involved progressing from isolated activation exercises to core integration, to stabilization integration, to reactive activation, and finally to subsystem integration. While with strength endurance training, the exercises are organized a little bit differently. We begin with core exercises. Now, a lot of people think that the core is the abdominal muscles, but that's not true. The abdominal muscles are part of the core, but the core includes all of the muscles all of the joints and all of the neural tissues that stabilize the lumbar spine, pelvis, and hips. And this is extremely important, right? When a golfer swings a golf club at 120 miles per hour, the spine is exposed to extreme forces and loads. We have extreme torsional forces. We have extreme compressive forces and we have extreme shear forces. In fact, at the moment of impact, there can be over 200 pounds of shear force going through your L4, L5 vertebrae. And the compressive forces can add up to six or eight times your body weight. And that's while your spine is rotating at an extreme rate, right? And people wonder why low back pain is so prevalent in golf. So core training is extremely important because it develops optimum levels of neuromuscular efficiency, stability, and functional strength throughout the lumbar spine, as well as between the lumbar spine and the pelvis. So it helps keep your low back safe. And when it comes to strength and endurance training, 
the exercises that we use for the core are designed to not only protect the golfer from low back pain, but also to enhance their performance, right? So these exercises are progressions from the core integration exercises that we do during our corrective training. So they're typically, um, they typically involve more dynamic movement and they're done at higher speeds and with greater loads. Then after the core exercises, we move on to balance. Balance is extremely important for golf. It's what provides a golfer with postural control during the golf swing, right? If you don't develop your balance, you won't have the foundation or the control to swing a golf club at 120 miles per hour. Not only that, but remember those forces that are applied to the lumbar spine during your swing? Well, the golf swing applies extreme forces to all of your joints. And if you don't have good balance, your ability to counteract those forces and maintain them decreases, right? And when that happens, you're forced to compensate. And when you compensate, you increase wear and tear in your joints and connective tissues, right? And all of this then increases your risk for injury. So balance is extremely important in high performance golf. And when it comes to the strength endurance balance exercises, these are progressions from the stabilization integration exercises that we did during the corrective training, right? So these exercises are more challenging and they typically involve more dynamic movements that are done at higher speeds and with greater loads. Then after the balance, we move on to plyometrics. So the downswing takes less than one quarter of a second. And in that one quarter of a second, the golfer has to accelerate the club head to over 120 miles per hour. In order to do that, the neuromuscular system has to be very explosive. It has to be able to generate a large amount of force in a very short amount of time. Plyometric exercises train the body to do that. So these exercises are quick, powerful movements that involve an eccentric contraction followed immediately by an explosive concentric contraction. And by doing these explosive exercises, we train the golfer's neuromuscular system to recruit a greater number of fast twitch muscle fibers in a shorter amount of time. And so the golfer becomes more explosive, but they also become more coordinated because these plyometric exercises also enhance intermuscular coordination. They improve the cooperation or communication between companion muscles on either side of a joint. So as a muscle contracts and shortens explosively, its buddy on the other side of the joint relaxes and lengthens to the same degree, right? So we're starting to build that cooperation between muscles to perform explosive movements. So in practical terms, Plyometric exercises enhance the golfer's ability to contract some muscles while relaxing others to create an explosive swing. And when it comes to our strength endurance training phase, these plyometric exercises are the progressions from the reactive activation exercises that we did during the corrective training. So these exercises are designed to improve dynamic joint stabilization, eccentric strength, rate of force production, and neuromuscular efficiency. And they're usually performed in a more repetitive fashion by spending a short amount of time on the ground. So now we've done our core training. 
we've done our balance training and we've done our plyometric training. Again, remember, this is all within that one workout, that strength endurance workout. After we finish the plyometric training, we then move on to resistance training. And with our resistance training, we'll focus on certain areas of the body. So typically that's the chest, the back, the shoulders, and the legs. And we use evidence-based strength stability supersets. So what does that mean? Well, for each body part, the golfer first performs a stable exercise. And then immediately after the stable exercise, they perform an unstable exercise with similar biomechanical movement patterns. So for example, for the legs, I might have the golfer perform dumbbell squats. And then immediately after the dumbbell squats, I would have them perform a frontal plane lunge to balance. And so the first exercise places more emphasis on the prime movers and allows the golfer to lift heavier weights because it's performed in a stable environment, right? So these exercises increase prime mover strength. So prime movers, these are the big powerful muscles like the gluteus maximus, the latissimus dorsi, the pectoralis major that we want to dominate the golf swing. The more dominant these muscles are in the golf swing, the more explosive the swing will be. The second exercise in that superset is designed to improve neuromuscular efficiency and stability because it's performed in an unstable yet controlled environment. Right now, the reason I use these evidence-based strength stability supersets is because they're really good at promoting stabilization endurance. They build muscle and they increase strength. And we do one strength exercise and one stabilization exercise as a superset for the chest, for the back, for the shoulders, and for the legs. So that's the strength endurance training, right? So we've got the corrective training to fix the golfer's postural dysfunction and improve the quality of their movement, right? So this reduces their need to compensate. And then we have the strength endurance training that builds muscle, increases strength and improves dynamic stability or balance. Then the third phase of training that I use with elite golfers is power training, right? And power training, as you probably know, is designed to make the golfer more explosive. So our goal is to increase the rate of force production or the speed of muscle contraction. And again, we have a systematic approach. We always begin by using a foam roller on the golfers overactive muscles, and then we move on to stretching. And we'll typically use a combination of active stretching and dynamic stretching. Now, remember active stretching, we use that to reinforce optimum reciprocal inhibition. With dynamic stretching, it's more sports specific, right? So we're looking to mimic the joint actions or the movements that we use in golf. And I have the golfer contract muscles and use their body's momentum to take their joints through their full range of motion. So for example, um, one of the dynamic stretches that I like is a lunge with rotation. And that is a dynamic stretch for the hip flexor complex on the trail leg, okay? Now we don't use dynamic stretching to lengthen muscles. We use dynamic stretching to optimize neuromuscular control, 
Okay. So dynamic stretching is not a great way to fix postural dysfunction, but it is a really great way to warm up before high intensity activities like playing golf or this power workout that we're about to do. Right. So we use dynamic stretching to warm the athlete up prior to working out and doing power training. So now that the body's warmed up, we start the exercises and we begin with core. But these are core power exercises. So they're a little bit different from the core strength exercises that we did in the other phase. Core power exercises are designed to increase the rate of force production from the core musculature. Okay. So they enhance the golfer's ability to stabilize and generate force dynamically at swing speeds of 120 miles per hour. Okay. So these are extremely important. Remember, we talked about the forces that the lumbar spine is exposed to during the swing. These power, uh, these core power exercises help to not only um, increase the power of the core so that the, the golfer can swing a golf club at 120 miles per hour, but also increase the dynamic stability of the core so that their spine stays safe while they swing a golf club at 120 miles per hour. Then after the core, we move on to balance. And again, this is balance power and balance power exercises are typically hopping movements. And I'll usually have the golfer hop in all three planes of motion and they stabilize their landings for two to three seconds. So balance power exercises are really great at uh, increasing the golfer's reactive stability, right? And they do that because they increase the firing rate of the golfer's muscles. That is how quickly their muscles contract and respond. Okay. And that's really important. And then after the balance, we move on to resistance training and plyometrics. And this is really cool. So with this training, we're focusing on both high force or high load and high velocity to increase power. And to do that, we're going to use evidence-based supersets again. Um, if you remember, with the strength endurance training, we combined a strength exercise with a stability exercise. While with power training, we combine a maximum strength exercise with a high-velocity plyometric exercise. And we do that for the chest, the back, and the legs. So for example... For the legs, I might have the golfer first perform dumbbell squats with a heavy weight, right? So the weight should be heavy enough that they can only do three to five reps of the dumbbell squat. And then they rest for two to three minutes. And then after they rest, they perform one to 10 reps of a depth jump or a jump squat, some sort of explosive ballistic movement with a lighter weight or a lighter load. Now that second exercise with the lighter load is usually done either with the golfer's body weight or with a medicine ball that weighs two to 10% of their body weight, right? The reason we want a lighter load with that second exercise is because we want the golfer to perform that exercise as explosively as possible, right? As fast as possible. If the weight is too heavy, they won't be able to perform that movement fast and we're not going to get those speed adaptations. Okay. So that second exercise is done with a lighter load so that the golfer can move fast. So why do we use that combination of maximum strength uh, 
with high velocity. Well, that combination is extremely effective at increasing power because it allows us to take advantage of a phenomenon called post-activation potentiation, right? And you might've heard me talk about this before. Post-activation potentiation refers to an acute excitation of the neuromuscular system that makes the athlete more explosive, okay? It makes the athlete more powerful. So what that means is for a short window of time, usually five to 15 minutes, the athlete becomes more powerful. They get this boost in performance. And this is how it works. That first exercise, the maximum strength exercise, because it's done at such a high load, it increases the recruitment and the synchronization of the athlete's type 2X muscle fibers. So these are the muscle fibers that the body relies on to produce high amounts of force quickly, right? So type 2X muscle fibers, they have the fastest contraction speed and the highest rate of force production, right? So that first exercise, that maximum strength exercise stimulates or activates these powerful muscle fibers. So for the next 15 minutes, the golfer is more powerful because these muscle fibers have been activated. Okay, so anything they do in the next 15 minutes, they're going to do with more power. So we want to take advantage uh, of that window of time where the golfer gets this boost in performance. And so we'll have the golfer perform these high velocity ballistic movements while in that powered up state, right? And by doing that, we get greater power adaptations, right? So the golfer becomes more powerful. And again, we typically use these post-activation supersets for the chest, for the back, and for the legs. And what we also do sometimes is instead of using plyometrics as the second exercise, we'll have the golfer perform overspeed swings, right? So they're performing their overspeed swings while in that powered up state, right? And as a result, they get bigger increases in club head speed, right? But whether we use the high velocity plyometrics or the overspeed swings, the power training is what provides the golfer with the power to swing a golf club at 120 miles per hour. So those are the three phases of training that I typically use with elite golfers. Corrective training to improve the quality of their movement and, and make their movement more efficient. Strength endurance training to increase their strength and improve their dynamic balance. And power training to make them more explosive. All right, so then how do we schedule all this? Well, first of all, these guys are training five days a week, right? And because they're training so frequently, we can follow what's called an undulating periodized schedule. Now, this isn't for everyone. This is for advanced athletes who are training five days a week. With undulating periodization, we're not doing corrective training for a month and then strength endurance training for a month and then power training for a month, although that does work very well with undulating periodization, we're doing all of that within a week. And because we're doing all of that within a week, we can target multiple adaptations all at once. So for example, Monday could be a power day, Tuesday, a strength endurance day, Wednesday, a corrective day, Thursday, another power day, and Friday, another corrective day. And if you notice, the power workouts are separated by three days, and that's intentional, and here's why. 
the power training places a lot of stress on the body, right? And the body has to react to that stress. And that reaction is a physiological response. Now, for the first day or two after the power training, the athlete might actually experience a decrease in performance because of that physiological response. Their neuromuscular system might lose a little bit of sensitivity and reactivity because of that response. But then on day three, they can actually experience a boost in performance. And that's, again, because of that physiological response. The body has adapted and made itself stronger. Right. So we want to repeat that power training on the third day to reinforce those power adaptations and to get another boost in performance. Right. And so the scheduling is really important. All right, guys. So there you have it. That is the program that I've been using with elite golfers to increase club head speed. And if you're a professional golfer or an advanced athlete, and you want to try this program, you can pick it up at trainfully.com. This is the tour elite program. Now, if you're not a train fully member, head over to trainfully.com and sign up. Like I said, we have 10 golf fitness programs. They're all evidence-based and we will begin doing live weekly workouts uh, soon as well. Now, I understand that there was a lot of detail in this episode. So if you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to me. Thank you so much for listening.